I Spin on Your Podcast, a monthly horror podcast brought to you by the Spinsters of Horror. This is the time once a month where Jess puts down her bloody knitting needles and I step away from the TV to discuss horror movies and sometimes other horror mediums with thoughtful analysis, research, and passion. In this episode, we are celebrating our four-year anniversary of Spinsters of Horror and I Spit on Your Podcast, and we're having Ooh. some fun. We're looking at micro-budget horror and both fun and serious with special guests Bree and Kelly from Murmurs from the More podcast. Films up for discussion are Satan's Servants, Luz, Jesus Christ Vampire Hunter, and Inhuman Witch, which can all be found streaming on Tubi TV. So pick your poison and listen on if you dare. It's all good. It's all right. Everybody gets So thank you so much for joining us today in our celebration of four years. Yay! <laughs> when Jess and I were planning this episode, we were like, we want to do something like fun and light. And we both have, I think, really fallen in love with micro-budget horror. Like the lower the budget, the better. <laughs> and who better to join us in discussing these wacky and wonderful and sometimes serious <laughs> movies than you two. So please, you know, introduce yourselves. What's your podcast all about for our listeners? Who are you? Why should we care? <laughs> well, that's that's the hard question. <laughs> Why should we care? <laughs> but uh, I'm Kelly. I'm Bree. And we run the Murmurs from the Mord podcast where we take deep dives, theories, and queries. Lists as well. We love our lists. So this kind of fit in perfectly mm-hmm. and uh, kind of have a chat about some horror movies that we just want to talk about. We're sister podcasts in a way. We're very similar. <laughs> Yeah. We're from the same branch on the tree. Yeah. And it seems and, like we have like a share of mind too, because every now and again, we'll like do a podcast on an episode and I see like you guys have a similar theme coming out. We're like, how do we do this every month? <laughs> That's yeah. true. There, there often is an alignment there. Yeah. Get out of our heads or we should get out of yours. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And then there's two Kellys. You have yeah. a Ke- Kelly. We have a Kelly. <laughs> the other Kelly is what yeah, this Kelly is going to be called in this one. <laughs> but Murmurs from the Morgue is a part of iHorror? Yes. Is that yes. correct? Yeah, we're on the iHorror podcast network along with our brothers in iHorror, Ion Horror. And it's on the same network with the uh, with the iHorror.com family. Amazing. And, you- and what's the uh what's your latest episode on? Our last episode that we released was on the movie X that came out a few months ago. And we had a lot of fun with that, discussing that, kind of dissecting it, talking about it. Uh, generally is history and our latest episode that maybe will come out by the time this comes out is on the black phone so similar we took it and we looked at the history of it and the background and we did a little analysis which we enjoy doing we do a little analysis in our podcast Mm -hmm. and it's fun for that one because I've read the short story that it's based on and Brie didn't so it's kind of cool going at it from the different angles of that movie kind of knowing a little bit more like me being very particular but like this isn't in the book and then Brie kind of being able to go in with a fresh mind was pretty cool oh wow that's great to hear because I'm really curious about seeing that movie with the black phone and I really can't wait to hear you guys um your guys's perspective on it as well because it's been getting so many positive comments from people about wanting to see it and really enjoying mm-hmm. it so yeah and your ex episode was really great I just want to let you guys know that too thank you I listened oh, to that recently you. as well so well should we dive into talking about some terrible films for a good time so first <gasps> off I feel like let's <laughs> kind of talk about like our history with micro budget horror why we love it why we're here today and just the the wonderful world of micro budget filmmaking
Yeah. So for me, it kind of starts off really randomly. I just, <laughs> I tend to really like really cheesy movies. I think that started for me with Mystery Science Theater 3000, like watching, <laughs> and I think pretty much almost everyone, everyone here knows about Mystery Science Theater 3000. <laughs> oh my God. Just watching these like super cheesy B movies and then having people make fun of them throughout the film. And I really enjoy that atmosphere and that vibe. And I love, love when films do that at the same time, even though when they're trying to also trying to be serious. You can find some humor in them. So for me, that's kind of where uh, I discovered uh, micro budget horror. Like it started with like B movie horror, and then I went, you know, back and I was like, I want to see D movie horror. I want to see B movie <laughs> horror. Like I want to see the stuff that people, you know, creatively get in and get involved in. They're like, we want to make our first film, and is it going to be fun? Is it going to be serious? Is it going to be like you know an actual wonderful piece of art? Like because you also. Um, I learned this month that micro budget is not just like these funny horror comedies, these funny sci-fi comedies. There's actually some really good, well-made micro budget films that make you think. And I will definitely, when we get to um, Bree's choice of, uh, of the film, I was like, oh, okay, really? And then I started going back and being like, oh, a lot of my favorite films are independent films that actually do have a lower budget. So, yeah, that's kind of like where my history comes from, like why I am drawn to these films, because, hey, you get the ones that make you think and you're like, wow, this is a really great film. How did they do that? What were they really trying to tell me in the story? And then you get the brain breaks. You get the ones where you're just like, I don't want to think. I just want to <laughs> laugh. I'm just going to put on this film. It's ridiculous. But at the same time, too, some of these films are also clever, clever in their commentaries. Like mm -hmm. they're poking fun at things. They're like, oh, that's that's a that's making fun of some kind of social commentary right now. And that's where, for me, that's where that comes from. I love that. And yeah. of course, Tubi TV is our best friend when it comes to <laughs> horror movies in general. But if you want some like super low budget, micro budget, people's first feature films, um, it kind of runs the gamut with what you can find on Tubi TV, but I feel like that is like the best place to find this type of stuff. And I love it so much. And, and for me, I think, well, knowing how much I love Tubi TV and realizing how much is on there and even going through this month, I've watched so many movies. Jess and I just came to visit me and we watched a whole bunch of just like really clever, really funny stuff. And it was, it was such a riot, but I love the passion that you can see in, in these really, really low, low budget films. Cause you're bringing like sometimes family and friends together to make these movies. Cause you're just like, I love horror. I have zero dollars, <laughs> but I love horror. And I want to be a filmmaker. I want to do this. And mm -hmm. then you just fucking do it. And of course the quality is going to vary, but the charm I feel like is almost always there. And I just, I really respect it so much. And also I totally forgot that so much of the like extreme horror, the disturbing films that I love are all very low budget. Mm -hmm. So many of them are like these extreme kind of like underground production film companies making these low budget films. And I just totally forgot about like the shot on video stuff. It's just a really incredible way to, to produce your art without having to worry about getting, 
you know, 10, 20, $100 million or whatever, you can still at least put your art out there, express yourself, create whatever you want to fucking create because horror is the place for that. So much freedom of expression comes Mm -hmm. through the horror genre, but especially in these indie releases. Yes, I totally agree with everything that you said. And I'm surprised that you wouldn't consider like the extreme films that you like because that is a huge thing. (laughs) A huge thing that you watch is extreme films that cost like, you know, five dollars. Yes, I was like, I kept going to all these ridiculous horror comedies. I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny because I think the original theme for this was horror comedies, which I forgot about. And almost all of the things that I was thinking about were serious movies. And I completely (laughs) forgot about horror comedies, but you know, whatever. Uh, I've always, I've always really enjoyed micro budget films as well. I think probably back to Saw, which is not a micro budget film itself, but it did start out as a very low budget film. And that kind of led to the style that I enjoy of like that really gritty few set pieces, few locations, horror that horror really does well with. And uh, like Jess was saying, a lot of movies that we enjoy really do have lower budgets than you would think that they would if you just like look into it, which often it is hard. It is hard to find out what exactly a budget of a movie is. And on the subject of 2B TV, I know that Amazon Prime used to have a program where any filmmaker could upload any movie to Amazon. And that allowed a lot of people to see their films, but they stopped that program a few years Mm. ago. And I think that a lot of those films did move to Tubi because a lot Mm. of the films that we were discussing discussing a lot of reviews mentioned that they were on Amazon Prime so I assumed that they were part of that thing and then they got booted got moved to Tubi mm-hmm. anyway it's just an interesting little connection but Tubi is cool I don't know how they exist um I'd like to know how they make money you know <laughs> it makes no <laughs> sense but model? I love what they yeah. do yeah. <laughs> uh what I love the most about micro budget horror is that horror I feel is the only genre that can really get away with it Mm -hmm. because you don't really watch a lot of low budget romance movies yeah Yeah, like it's just it doesn't work you know like sci-fi and horror movies that's where where it's at when it comes to micro budget and and if you're doing something micro budget that's not horror and my opinion it's a little bit of a waste of your time but you know to each their own unless it's the room unless it's the room yes then that's exactly. okay then that's perfect <laughs> never stop what you're doing in those cases <laughs> yeah for me um I, I totally agree I think it's horror is such a wonderful genre for doing micro budget films because it's like the most flexible forgiving and fantastical genre and that you can really do whatever your passion project leads you to do and you can do it on like a bottom of the budget barrel and still absolutely kill with it mm-hmm. because it's just so much love that goes into them and again you're getting like Kelly was saying you're having friends and family members come out just to support this idea that you have and I absolutely love that I think that's so wholesome and so pure and so delightful <laughs> um, for me my, my background with, with micro budget actually isn't really in horrors I used to watch when I was a kid and I still have them on my VHS copies it's like all these ridiculous old Jackie Chan movies like Half a Loaf of Kung Fu and Fearless Hyena and like To Kill with Intrigue and like all the stuff that was like way back when that was just really like total micro budget just going and kicking people and like 
having nothing there really. Um, so that was kind of my first introduction to, to micro budget filmmaking. And then I kind of stumbled upon a bunch of horror comedies and like ridiculous horror movies from this amazing, amazing video store that used to be in Waterloo, Ontario, where I went to university that it was called Generation X Video. And they had like a whole section that was just like all micro budget and like horror films and genre films. And it was, it was perfection. I loved it so much. But then uh, more recently, I kind of stumbled onto Velocipaster and that mm. kind of like fueled my passion and my obsession yeah. with them in a big way. So yeah. I ended up doing a list for iHorror that's like 10 hilarious yeah. horror parodies made on a micro budget <laughs> that was the most fun I've had writing a thing in a long time. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. Yes. It was great watching all those movies and be like, this is absurd. You'll love it. So um, <laughs> yeah, I think I think uh, like all you ladies have said, it's, it's wonderful because it's a genre that really allows you to play. It's a genre mm-hmm. that allows you to experiment and and I think when you come to ideas as well, like even outside of experimentation, there's things like there's the reason we have so many zombie movies, for example, is because they're cheap and easy to make. And like you can do it on a micro budget if you have the people to do it. And I think that horror is a wonderful gateway for for filmmakers to kind of get their feet wet and explore and, and have an audience that's going to be passionate about what they do. Totally. Yeah, I want to say, um, I feel like in this, like the indie world and the micro, like micro budget world, especially for stuff that maybe is a little bit more on the absurd side, um, mm-hmm. there's so much sharing. You're yes. like, I saw this. Now you absolutely need to see this. Like we got to mm. share this burden together. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> it's like the room. Yeah. You just like yeah. share it with everyone. You're like, how does this exist? You have to <laughs> <Exactly>. see it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I love that so much. And I have to give a shout out to you uh, an online friend of mine named Patrick because he also loves micro budget horror. His podcast is unfortunately on like this long hiatus. It was called Not Suitable for Anyone. I actually guested on it for him and he would talk to filmmakers about their very like low budget films or just talk to people about a certain low budget film and just like champion it. And I love it. And so he'll share stuff with me all the time and my pick and some of my recommendations come from him sharing stuff with me or he'll be posting about something on Twitter and I'm like Patrick what the fuck is this I need this he's like it's on Tubi here you go like he's never steered me wrong everything he recommends has been so wonderful so shout out to Patrick and just like people share your favorite micro budget horrors with Mm -hmm. us because we want to watch them absolutely share the wealth Mm -hmm. absolutely share the wealth (laughs) or the burden (laughs) (laughs) either one Um, so speaking of which, we're going to move on to our first film and it's my pick and it's Satan's Servant from 2021. Oh, hey boys. Is it a little late for a visit? We were just wondering if we could say hi to Jane real quick. Is she around? You know, she's actually gone missing. It's just so troubling, especially with everything going on with that poor Katie girl. Is there anything we can do to help? Actually, yeah. Jane, run! We need to do something before he kills her. Not yet.
sure you can hurt someone with that thing? I'm not just gonna leave her with them. Are you? some weapons if we want to stand a chance against Satan. What, you think Satan himself will be there? I don't know, but we gotta prepare like he will be, bro. So I chose this film because, again, my friend Patrick told me about this through Twitter, and he was deeply impressed by it, and I was very, very impressed by this movie. So Satan's Servant was made during the pandemic on $2,000 by two 18-year-olds named Jack McDermott and Evan Gomez Zanley. They've also created their own filmmaking, like their own production company called Screenager Productions. And I, yeah, I was just like blown away by how well done this movie was for the money, their age, and their like general kind of lack of experience. It was very polished. It was very funny. I love that they did literally get together friends, family, the people in the town, like all these locals, everybody kind of banded together to help them create their first feature film. Again, as young adults, essentially teenagers making their first horror movie. And I was just blown away by it. And uh, yeah, so let's chat about it. What did you folks all think about Satan Servant? <clears throat> Um, I speaking on the budget a little bit as well. I was doing a little bit of reading into this and I, I love these teenagers so much because yeah. they crowdfunded most of this movie and yes. they donated about 500 of that to the Equal Justice Initiative and they're donating 15% yeah. of the film's earnings to that as well, which I think is spectacular. Yes. They pitched in a little bit of their own. Again, like it's just so precious having a film made by high school students about high school students. Like yeah. that's really <laughs> kind of sweet to see that because so often when you see teenagers in a horror movie, it's like, you know, they're in their thirties. And it's like, what are, <laughs> yeah, they're adults. Don't lie to me. Yeah. Yeah, don't lie <laughs> and I love that too there's it's a movie about teenagers played by real teenagers so they're relatable they're gonna talk like yeah. teenagers it's not gonna be made up they're going exactly. to be real they're gonna be authentic. because they and they wrote it and directed it themselves too. So you know yes. that it's not just like some, again, like 30 year old writing like, hey kids, what's up? And then like teenagers <laughs> trying to make it sound somewhat natural. It's like, no, these kids talk this way. Yeah. This yes. is, this is legit. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Which is probably what is one of my likes and dislikes of the film. I'm just like, oh wow, these great teenagers. This reminds me when I was a teenager and making like low budget films with my friends, like yeah. on like school projects and stuff like that. But at the same time too, they were teenagers and their moments mm -hmm. are just like, Oh. <laughs> like cringing at like the fake drinking at the fake drinking scene yes. and stuff like that oh my but at the same time too I'm also <laughs> like there's like funny things happening that's like you know this is good good for you great mm -hmm. but that was like my like and dislike for this film <laughs> the yeah, teenagers same. that's fine teenagers. we all know I, I love teenagers and teen horror so <laughs> that's yeah. like Very right true. up my alley yes yeah Bree what did you think I agree I I, I think that the teenager aspect was also a like and a dislike of mine because yes I thought it was great that they were actually teenagers they were making the film but also you know obviously they were not the best of actors which I feel like <laughs> added to the film and also detracted I feel like it, if it went in a little bit more with like a bit more stoner humor it would yes. have like really yes. sold the <laughs> movie but 
like the story itself, I was really impressed by it. It was not what I expected it to be. It was a lot more well-rounded of a story, honestly. Like it was very yeah. intense. Um, and like yeah. it had a lot of mythology that it created for itself and a lot of like interesting set pieces. Um, I think it's really cool. You know, like we said that it, they were really young people and they were able to just make a horror film. It reminded me a lot of this other film that came out this year that's been making uh, the rounds and film festivals called Honeycomb, if you guys have seen mm, that. Uh, it was directed by it. a 21 year old female with her friends in like the forest. Um, anyway, cool. it's cool. You should check it out. It's similar. Um, but yeah, this film was really cool. I liked it. Uh, and I really liked particularly the opening scene or close to the mm. opening scene where the girl is like in front of the headlights of the car and she's yes. crawling yeah. on the ground. Yes. Like you would not yes. think that, that was a shot that was made in a picture that was less than $2,000. Yeah. It was really yeah. impressive. Teenagers. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. This like, again, the, like the cinematography, it was just so very polished again. I mean, we've seen some <laughs> not so polished micro budget film. So again, I was just so impressed by their camera angles, their shots, the music as well, mm -hmm. which was also the score I liked a lot, a little bit synthy, and I'm kind of a sucker for that yes. in yes. any ways. But yeah. Yeah. the young guy named Sean Okamoto, Okamoto, he plays Tyler. So he actually did the score of it. So again, it's oh, like wow. all in the family. All of these young teenagers are creating this like whole world. And I also thought it was hilarious. There are mar mm -hmm. parts where I was laughing out loud. I, I laughed at all the Tyler scenes. I like Tyler. Yeah. And like I said, it, like, like Bree said it, they went a little more with a stoner it. Yeah. Of things, I was like in on it 100%. Because, like, he's like my favorite character <laughs> yeah. throughout the film. And I was a little like, there needed to be some justice for Tyler at the end because they yeah. just killed yeah. him. And then no yeah. one cares and I was like <laughs> Tyler and he had one of the best lines in the movie which I wrote as like one of my highlights being like fuck a plan just use your brain and improvise I'm like yes thank you Tyler <laughs> great advice Tyler and then following it up with like stealing the tools and then hiding behind <laughs> that guy the, the whole like end situation with them was yeah. hilarious I love that yeah yeah but I agree that I love that satanic plot twist ending at the end like you didn't see it really kind of coming especially when she starts being like oh she wants to sacrifice me to sing and she's like but then she's like doing it where you're like oh you're she's doing it to save you or is she doing it to gain your power because she wants to continue living on so I thought that was interesting and the mother was intense yeah I so. yes I know I feel a little bit old when watching this when like the party music made me feel really old I was listening to it and I was like is this what the kids are listening to these days? Oh my! Okay. I guess so. And then, and then also, like when the mom's character's argument started to make sense to me, when oh, she's like, yeah. <laughs> "Like that was what the moment I was like, oh, uh, I get it. This is the moment that I'm turning into a grown ass old person, where it's like, she just wants what's best for you. Just let it happen. You're going down a dark yeah. path. It's like she just yeah. wants to do the good thing for you. So there's the like, oh, no, terrible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But just like it makes us feel old. You're like, wow, <laughs> I'm <feel laughs> watching this. <laughs> yeah. I, I really love that conversation between the mother and the daughter when they're in the kitchen together. Yeah. And she is just like, I know what's best for you. Like you're ruining your life, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and I, I love the the acting of the mom character as well because she's like very intense. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, she says everything with such love, even when she's talking yeah. about murder. She's yeah. like babe why can't you yeah. just let me do the ritual yeah 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 like I it's also, like i just want to make your costume for christmas like just let yeah. me do this just stand still lay still just stop yeah. Yeah. you're gonna look beautiful oh goodness yeah 
I love the, I love how they did jump in with the like Satanism aspect of it right away and how nonchalant everybody was mm-hmm. about it. They're like, oh, Satanism. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then had that great line of not the like modernized, non-theistic, you know, reproductive oh, yeah. rights type of Satanism. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's definitely paraphrasing, but, uh, but I was like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's not the better, satanic better make temple. that differentiation yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah it's like the actual rituals where you believe in actual satan i mm-hmm. see i see <laughs> yeah and then you definitely had scenes in the film that like you knew that they were teenagers writing it just because of the way certain things are laid out like especially in yeah. the ending where like she goes to brian's gravestone it's like love never leaves and it just reminds <laughs> yeah. of, like she's so in love with brian i'm like you're 18 yeah exactly exactly <laughs> you know there'll be many that will come after that and then also like when she meets up with ghost katie who ends up as the one being sacrificed and she's like i'm okay that you killed me just checking on my parents and okay, and like, okay teenagers yeah. yeah they just be like yeah you know it's fine yeah, that's fine yeah. hey yeah, man those- these aren't the teenagers from stranger things okay <laughs> that's true yeah. yeah the script is very direct like you said in the way that it lays out the the beats of the plot it's like okay now we have to to go do here what is this this is a thing oh wow a thing now let's go here and do the thing and talk to this it's like very linear and and very economical that way which i think they kind of have to be when they're doing something on a micro budget with you know limited resources as well yeah um which i appreciate and i, I do i do really like the ending because it's just like it was it puts a lot darker than i expected yes. i was not expecting yes. it to go that route i was like all right i see you i see you well done head started people start exploding and blood yeah. everywhere i was yeah. like yeah. <laughs> I was honestly like, like, like Jane's acting for me peaked when she was covered in blood. I'm just like, yes. her best, her best scene was when she's screaming and covered in blood. I'm like, this is good for you right now. <laughs> yeah. 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 I also we like women covered in blood here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I also really like how they added actual supernatural elements to the masked figure in it because yeah. you just assume yeah. that he's just a guy but every once in a while he does something that's like not normal it's like mm-hmm. what's going on with you you know like he pulls some dude's arm like out of its sock you know like he pulls <laughs> yeah. his arm straight yeah. off like it's a paperclip. yeah um, he has like this demonic scream that he does but they yes. never really explore that i think right no no, no. Like- you almost have just assumed that he is Satan's servant because he's mm-hmm. doing the bidding yes. of Satan. Yeah. But yeah, I, de- I remember yeah. when he screamed, I'm like, wow, he sounds like a Nazgul. And I'm like, yeah. oh, no. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you. <laughs> no, yes, 100%. I was like, oh, oh I see. <laughs> I see yeah. what you did there. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you brought up maybe Satan's servant in this, but I really like the creation of this mass kind of identity, this mass, mm-hmm. sorry, this mass entity, because I felt like, whoever is playing that character actually had really good physical presence, which is really hard to do. Like if you read interviews with Kane Hodder, for instance, and certain men that have played Michael Myers, like it's not, it's not as easy as it seems like it would be, but I felt like there was some really good, like physical acting in that person playing the the masked entity. I thought that was really great. Almost Mm -hmm. like a new masked killer in a Michael Myers kind of sense. I really appreciated mm-hmm. that. Also the whole scene with the bisexual lighting, like, come on, <laughs> it was stunning, stunning. I loved it. <laughs> it was a solid pick, Kelly. I gotta yeah. say, I was, yeah. Thank you. I was, I was really, uh, I was really happy with that one. I thought that was a, a really great one and uh, not one that I would have stumbled across otherwise. So mm-hmm. yeah, for same that. for me. I, I probably <laughs> would have like started that one and probably shut it off. 
because I've been like, mm-hmm. yeah. teenagers. Well, <laughs> <laughs> poster, right? Look at a lot of posters for a lot of these movies. You'd yeah. be like, um, I'm not watching that. Yeah. But fucking yeah. watch these movies, folks. You don't know where the gems are going to lie. And like, this mm-hmm. one was was a little bit more this is more of like a horror movie there were some comedic elements of it but this was a horror movie you know what i mean it wasn't like the super cheesy absurd movies that you can find for micro budget so i was happy for this like nice little like middle ground for for this one and yeah like i said very impressed by it thank you folks for watching i'm so glad you all enjoyed it so should we move on to our next one which is brianna's pick Du musst wissen, meine Freundin hat mir ganz besondere Begabungen. Wie hast du das Talent für mich? My pick is Lose, which is directed by Tillman Singer. And this film was a bit more than, well, not more than everyone else's necessarily. It's more than more than Kelly's pick for sure, for $2,000. Um, I looked it up. The definition for a micro-budget film is under $100,000. My pick was a bit more at $120,000. But when we were figuring this out, I was on set at the time and I was stressed out and I was like, uh, 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 I don't know, lose. That one seems like it's probably micro budget. Uh, it still but- works. Jess's pick is also higher budget than my pick. Mm-hmm. So it's fine. but what i really like about this film is that it makes a lot of use out of just like very few locations and really uses those locations to an amazing degree which is why i think that it really fits in well with a micro budget film and at the same time it also shows that micro budget films don't always have to look like necessarily bad films this film is very visually appealing it would you would not expect it to be a micro budget film if you did not Mm -hmm. know um it was actually made as the director's film thesis project so he graduated with this film he made it in his college which i think is just really impressive yeah and after this he actually is just announced a few days ago that he is directing a film called cuckoo starring hunter schaefer from euphoria and dan stevens from the guest so at first when i picked this i was like oh no one knows about this film but uh now people are gonna know about this film so now i feel like justified in my pick uh there you go the film follows this kind of police and interrogation where they're hypnotizing this taxi driver into kind of re just talking about the situation that she had just been in where someone was in her cab and they like attacked her and they're doing this all within an interrogation room and they're using this interrogation room to reenact these different scenes that are happening which i think is just really ingenious how they use it like they have these 
chair is set up and the chairs are kind of stand-ins for a car and you can like really feel the action in this despite them using like just really sound design and a few visual effects like smog and whatnot and despite like the few locations that they use they're all like really dressed up really nice and it like has this presence like i said like you don't know where this takes place it seems very fantastical very dreamy and also really romantic too um i really like that this is also kind of a queer film in a way because it's about this demon who's kind of in love with this cab character and they're all kind of queer coded a bit in my opinion. It's also shot on film too, which is really impressive for a micro-budget film. Yeah, because shooting on film is expensive. Yeah, so that's probably where a lot of the money went. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I feel like, Jess, you probably loved this movie. It feels like a very Jess film. It was a very Jess film. So this, Mm -hmm. like, so I was really excited when Rhea chose this. I was like, ooh, like, we're going serious. I I like this because I've had this on my list for a while. So when I finally was able to sit down and watch it, I loved it. it. It was mesmerizing. I love, it was so absurd. Like the yeah. scenes that were happening, the things that were happening, the conversation, like I'm going to be going back to rewatch this, but just because I know like I some of the conversations I'd missed between the people, but just the interactions between the actors were so great, like just so intense, but then also that they would, they would get calm, but then intense again. To have a film that is really focusing on just like a couple of few scenes, like your set pieces, like you said, and then your, the intent, your actors to really tell that story that is, kind of vague like you have to really pay attention to what they're saying to be able to catch the story and Mm -hmm. to understand what is happening in this situation so yeah I really enjoyed this so thank you for making it for this choice and being able to have the opportunity to be able to watch this and the score the lighting I really enjoyed I love films that have anything to do with absurd imagery my only dislike it was too short I'm like I want to know more (laughs) (laughs) a two and a half hour opus please (laughs) at least at least give me another like 10 20 minutes like an hour and a half give me a little bit more (laughs) and the and the only thing that scene that irked me is when he the doctor Dr. Rosini when he has the demon I'm assuming it's like the demons in him and he's trying to talk to Luz and makes himself look like Luz and jabs a pen up their nose and then like rubs the blood into the head. I was like, mm, I don't like the pen up the nose. I don't like the blood in the hair, but cool. Like, I love yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really good effects and stuff like that. And then once again, you get that satanic imagery. And I was like, we're, we're sitting on a theme here because I watched Satan's Servants and then we went and we watched, uh, watched uh, Jesus Christ Vampire Hunter. I'm like, we're blasphemous. Totally. Yeah, I love that it kind of has that a bit of that like German expressionism quality to it in the film. Like it reminds mm-hmm. me like a lot of the German films from the 1970s. Like, yeah. For some reason, the tin drum always comes to mind, even though like I don't know why. I think it's just the weird scene with like all the jars of weird stuff in the tin drum but anyways that's a old <laughs> movie um so i i love the aesthetic of this film too it's like one of my favorite film aesthetics is the whole like hey we shot this two years ago but it looks like it was made in 1970 like there's you know the love witch and the house of the devil and like all those films that have that captured that aesthetic so well and this one is is a great use of that especially since they did film it on film but it has that grainy quality to it and especially again having some of those more uh, expressionistic and those a little more experimental i should say um stagings of things like again having the the chair and the stand-in and, and doing everything sort of all in the room I thought was really cool I liked that and, and this film like seemed very brief to me as soon as I watched it I was like oh yeah this is a brief, this is a brief movie for sure 
You podcast really, long I'm really enough. easy to pick up. <laughs> you podcast long enough, you end up, you really know yeah. what your co-host is going to like. Yeah. So my opinion on this is not going to be a surprise, I think, to Jess, is that this is my second watch and I still don't like this movie. Ooh. <laughs> I remember Ooh. that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> just, nope. Just no, it, um, I think there's definitely some effective moments. I think it looks fantastic. I'm an all over champion using film and the way that this movie looks. Love that. Sounds good. Like the score. There was so many of those wonderful things. But if I have to look up the plot of the movie afterwards, because I had no fucking idea what was going <sighs> on, that's a that's like gets a thumbs down for me because I just don't want to have to do that. During this, I was like, what is this movie? What is the actual plot? I still don't even fully know. Maybe mm. somebody can shed some light, but <laughs> yeah. there's there's aspects of it that's very abstract. And yes, it is kind of dreamlike and like it's not a linear story. And I'm more drawn mm. to linear stories because my brain, that's how it works. And so, yeah, I still don't really understand. Acting was fantastic. Yeah. There are so many wonderful things about it, but as like an entertaining film for me to be sitting down to watch it was not it was not for me not yeah. for me but honestly it looked fantastic honestly the first time I watched it I had similar opinions I like in general I did not understand it probably the first one and a half times that I watched it and I also <laughs> like I'm a big vibe person you know like right. I'm like oh yeah, yeah I'll look up every once in a while and enjoy the lighting I'll enjoy what's going on on the screen I'll be like yeah I like this movie mm-hmm. um but yeah fair, I do agree that fair. it is like it's it's complicated in a lot of parts and I think that sometimes it's purposefully confusing because mm-hmm. for yeah. instance there's one scene where they're speaking like two different languages and then they have a translator yeah. and so yeah. one person is speaking for both herself and a specter that she's kind of like mimicking and they're speaking in two different sure. languages and they're not translating that on the screen and then they have a translator who's translating both of those people <laughs> speaking and you're like who's speaking right now i don't, yeah. I don't what is know happening? but yeah so i i don't i don't disagree with your opinion and why you would dislike it for those reasons <laughs> yeah it just yeah i it definitely wasn't for me i just didn't find it very compelling i think there's aspects of it that could have been like this like maybe it's a possession movie maybe there's demons or something that happened in school at some point and somebody has special powers i and now i don't even know who is who and who yeah. has the special powers per se uh, i think it was just like a little bit fleshed out maybe yeah maybe it needs to be a bit longer just adding in like a little extra time to give us a little extra time with the story and with what you're trying to tell me and show me then yeah maybe another extra like 10 20 minutes would actually add a lot to this movie but it looked fucking great to be well 120,000 euros is about 157,000 American dollars so I mean that's still not a massive budget and it looked Mm. fantastic like all of that yeah I'm still impressed by what they were able to do especially with film especially with using film because you can't fuck up it's it's got to be like pretty solid fucking storyboarding and these actors got to be on their mark all the time the actors were like exquisite oh yeah like those are what they were the ones who really selling the story because Mm -hmm. of their the intensity between the scenes between you know especially i cannot remember the the woman's name between dr rosini and the first woman who is possessed because in my mind when i watched it i'm like this is a possession film this is another type of and i thought it was interesting and different for me because you know seeing various different types of possession films i like when people take different takes on it so i liked it that it was like this demon that was kind of that could jump 
from body to body, but like, it's very, um, like you have to have that physical change that um, I want to say, it's like almost like you have to wear them down and then they were able to transfer the demon into the next person's body. And mm. that's something I really enjoyed. And uh, yeah, I didn't want to know more about the, the story, the Catholicism in it. Cause I also like that it kind of, you know, not pokes fun, but plays with Catholic imagery and, and, and kind of um, going against ideology. Uh, pardon me, you know, knowing that Luz comes from a, a Catholic school, that's their background. They're dealing with, you know, a pregnant girl. So, you, you know, like, I guess for me, like, I enjoy, that's why I enjoyed it because I have all this like context behind. I'd be like, mm. oh, okay, this, this is kind of blasphemous. What's happening here and why she would act like this in an all girl school and, you know, having a satanic, you know, ceremony in their church. Like, so for me, it kind of like draws, goes all along that blasphemous line, but yet filling it into a modern world at the same time too, because you're having this police procedure that's happening at the same time. So something supernatural is happening within a very supposed to be normal situation, which is not normal at all. Mm-hmm. I think it's technically I got like really big like sensor vibes as well. I just keep getting caught mm. up on the aesthetic of it all. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's a very no, like it just reference. looks so gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. It's very, <laughs> it was very soft, yeah. like, very yeah. soft, very yeah. warm, very inviting. Yeah, yeah. I so, got can't say well, also shoving pencil up noses at yeah. the same time and then rubbing the blood. <laughs> I'd rather the blood than like snot going in here. Oh yeah, so yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, I I love the um the blat like on the on the subject of blasphemy like the prayer that Luz keeps repeating yes. throughout the film. Yes. It's, yeah, I don't know the, what it was exactly, but it's something like definitely perverted. Like holy mother of you know God, let's Our Father fuck who art. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, let's fuck the, the son of Jesus or the son of God today, and like just saying like really terrible things about like you know just making a very perverse prayer, and that's kind mm-hmm. of how the whole story mm-hmm. starts is because she thinks yeah. it's so hilarious to say this prayer, and it's yeah. like causing all this drama. It yeah. causes the the demon to you know show itself and fall in love with her. Yeah, yeah, and it's that bastardization of the Lord's Prayer as well. Yeah. That's like that yeah. beat by beat by beat, which I really loved. And I was kind of wondering too, like in the translation between German and English, like how much of that is is sort of right on versus how much of that would have sounded different, you know, with the rhyming patterns of it as well. So move on. Yeah. 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 Okay. yeah. All right. Just want to introduce your film. Millennium, vampires no longer fear the sun. Now they're going to learn. It's time to fear the Son of God! This is Jesus Christ Vampire Hunter. Yeah, so we'll jump into my film, which, uh, which is a very type of different blasphemous film. Uh, it's, <laughs> uh, Jesus Christ Vampire Hunter. So I chose this film because it was filmed here in Ottawa. So I was super excited when I first watched this film uh, last year during the pandemic and was like watching it. I'm like, oh my God, I recognize these places. And then looking it up, being like, oh, this is done in Ottawa. 
<laughs> so it was filmed in Ottawa, Ontario in 1999-2000. It was shot over a two-year period, and it was done on weekends with friends and family. Their budget was estimated 100000 This is what I was able to find. I think Kelly may have found a bit more, but it was a film that was talked about because it's kind of considered a cult film overseas. Um, and it was featured in this one-hour television documentary called Nightmare in Canada, which was Canadian horror on film. And it was talking about Canada's contribution to the horror, the horror film industry. And this film is a lot about poking fun at things like kung fu action, musicals, exploitation, cult films, Catholicism. And yeah, like I said, it's considered a cult film. It was done by Odessa Filmworks, which is a Canadian film production company here in Ottawa. They've done other films such as Harry Knuckles and The Pearl Necklace and The Deep Sleep Easy. And Odessa Filmworks was founded by Lee Denbaro, who programs films at the Bytown Cinema here in Ottawa, but also the Mayfair Theater here in Ottawa, which actually, um, he has a weekly talk show called Drunken Master Review, and he presents the Saturday Night Sin um, uh, at the Mayfair Theater, which are a monthly showcase of rare and classic cult films that they always show at midnight once a month. So, cool. Nice. Sounds like a blast. Yeah. 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 So I was like super excited when I found out more of this. And I'm like, oh, wow, I, I've heard of this person's name. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure they've, they've done some things for uh, Black Fawn Distribution as well. I think they did a Takeover Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And I've always oh, wanted cool. to go to their Mayfair. They, they always like did great programming for the Mayfair uh, Theater as well. Like a lot of nice. great horror films come to Ottawa. So yeah, quick synopsis of this film. Essentially, it's uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ comes back, or he's always been alive, living in Ottawa. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> he comes back. He's alive, living in Ottawa, Ontario in uh, the year 2000. And um, he's recruited by the Catholic Church to help uh, fight against a crew of lesbian vampires who are turning all the parishioners into vampires. And he must team up with a Mexican wrestler, to save the day so yeah what'd you guys think (laughs) so this was a first time watch for me and well so this movie is a lot it is is a lot it It plays with a lot of different themes and different types of movies and overall I thought it was very fine sorry Jess it was (laughs) very fine fine. like there were moments where I thought it was fun and funny and then I thought it was insufferable and (laughs) it just is kind of a mess for me and maybe that's part of like its charm I still I do think that there is some charm in this at first I'm like is this a fucking musical and you chose a musical because I will be (laughs) pissed and like it isn't but is it (laughs) it isn't but isn't a lot of things um it's it um, has Jesus musical Christ energy hot. just saying he's a oh, yeah. babe oh yeah especially when he gets his haircut and he gets like the piercing yes. in his ears yeah. like, which I like blinked and didn't even know that was him halfway through the movie I'm like Jesus Christ isn't even in this movie and I'm like oh sorry blinked and missed his his glow up sorry but uh it's it was a lot. There was more like moments that I thought were fun or fu- like funny, like clever quips, like talking, they called something post-mortem stress disorder. And I was like, oh, <laughs> post-mortem, like you're dead. Yeah. I think that's like the, what yeah. they're, they are calling the vampires. They have post-mortem yeah. stress <laughs> disorder. So yeah, I'll leave it there for now. But uh, it, it, it was a lot. It was a lot. And also, how is this $100,000? 
how did it cost that much? I, I was wondering that as well. Spend it yeah. all on music and extras. Like, I was going to say, that. it's definitely the extras. <laughs> so many like, extras. Dance scenes, oh, fight Lord. scenes. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like they just were like friends and family. And then if you have a special talent, come do this movie. <laughs> yeah. Or no talent like... whatsoever. <laughs> that too. That too. But I do agree with you. Like, I enjoyed this film for some of its parody moments, but it does tackle a lot of themes like goes from like 70s kung fu to like mm-hmm. crime style shack movies to like a musical like jesus christ superstar to exploitation italian horror 80s 2000 vampire movies i had the one yeah. scene yeah. with like they're <laughs> fighting the atheist in strathcona park which is like a two minute walk from me yeah. um it goes on forever and you're like yeah, you know that long. they're you know that they're like you know making fun of those like movies like you know matrix and ultraviolet and stuff like that like you know but it's so long you're just like wait okay the gag's over you know you yeah. got a lot of agents coming out of the car <laughs> spy movies like there's like there's a lot going on and then yeah you can yeah. see the, the mexican wrestler and you're like what is going on <laughs> Yeah. It's kind of like a kitchen sink of micro-budget horror movies. Which yes. is, like it was yeah. shot silent and then post-dubbed after the fact that the dialogue was post-dubbed, which I think is yeah. hilarious because it kind of has that Kung Fu style dubbing yeah. to it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And according to the closing credits role, it was proudly edited on film as well. Like they didn't transfer it to computer to edit. They did it all sort wow. of through film, which yeah. is yeah. impressive and also bonkers. Like I, I appreciate it, but why would you do it that way? It sounds so much harder. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I love, I, I, there's some like great one-liners in there that kind of snuck past me. Yeah. Like, this is my, <laughs> my second time watching it. The first time was for the, the list that I did. Nice. And there's one line that I love. It's called like, if I'm not back in five minutes, call the Pope, which I thought was just <laughs> so stupid. Yeah. It's yeah. so funny. I love it. And I yeah. feel like this was kind of like a precursor to both Velocipaster and yeah. like lesbian vampire killers in a way um it kind of has a little bit of both and uh mm-hmm. i also didn't realize that el santo is like actually one of the most famous luchadors oh um and what? he's like yeah he's, that's a, he's an actual went. guy that's <laughs> where the money went. he was uh he was like a folk hero in mexico because of his wrestling oh. career it spanned nearly five Shit. decades he cool. started like co-starred in like 52 movies between 1958 and 1982 which is again bananas so they kind of took that character that i didn't know was a real person i just thought that that was just why is this guy here and why does everyone <laughs> yeah, know yeah. who he is like that was the part that threw me off the first time i watched it. i was like why are there so many paparazzi here and why do they know who this wrestler is in like canada like, yeah. I <laughs> why here <laughs> so uh yeah it, again second time watch for me it's one of those like it's again kitchen sink so ridiculous yeah. so absurd so dumb and just so silly and i kind of uh, appreciate it just for how silly it is i think mm-hmm. yeah. but that's exactly how i feel i love the silliness of it and mm. just the chaotic nature of it i love films <laughs> yeah. that are just like why is this happening what is going on um and i love uh, films that are micro budget that have ridiculous fight scenes as well and yeah. that's what yeah. i really appreciated about this film especially because it was jesus christ fighting vampires and you know the wrestler as well and like mm. the just ridiculous fight scenes i love um the the first one i think where they're on the beach first yeah. like, yeah. amazing and there's like that one punk priest yeah. and then the other priest and he's yes. like go go pray in the water for me <laughs> go bless the water yeah yeah and i like like i also like it's a you know it, it kind of pokes fun at catholicism with its like yeah. one-liners and it's like you know 
you have this like secret organization within the Catholic Church that knows about vampires and fights them. Of and, course, like, you know, um, you know when Jesus is hurt, no one helps him, but it ends up being a transgender woman who helps him out and, and takes care oh. of him. And then like Mary Magdalene is like Mary Magdalene, and she's like yeah. part of this like group of women within the church who are like smarter and have better positions to be able to do something. And she ends up being the sexy redhead who's also bisexual mm-hmm. because she goes for the vampire Maggie in the end. Yeah. And I also love that Dr. Praetorius is actually a local DJ here in Ottawa. So I remember when I first oh. watched this, I was like, wait, I recognize Dr. Praetorius. And he's that <laughs> crazy doctor where he's like, I like the premise of like cutting off the skin of people to make vampires being able to walk in the sunlight. I'm like, oh, yeah, yes. Yeah. Skin yeah. transplant. Okay, the yeah. skin yeah. transplant, right? Yeah. And then he's like, at one point fighting Jesus with the organs of the body. Like, you know, you're yeah. trying, like they're trying yeah. the practical effects and you're like, it's cute. But I remember watching being like, I recognize him. Oh. And then I watched it. And then I was like, wait, no, he's the DJ at the House of Targ. Remy oh, Royale. shit. <laughs> so I was like, now, because like he's I'm like an unforgettable face. So I was like, that's yeah. cool. So being able to like recognize people that I've seen in Ottawa doing yeah. this film. So yeah. I really appreciate you throwing in a Canadian film. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, always got to champion our our Canadian film industry, no matter what it or- is that you are releasing. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, oh, there was a... Uh, another I think like two quotes because I think it was clever in a lot of the dialogue I definitely have to give it that that Mm -hmm. was calling it chaotic and a kitchen sink of micro budget is also very perfect descriptors for this movie (laughs) but I think this was Jesus Christ who said this he said getting close to the Kool-Aid and don't even know the flavor (laughs) (laughs) so another quote that I saw was so random They did nothing with it. It just breezed past it when they were looking up information about this virus. It says it can cause hints of homosexuality and necrophilia. (laughs) (laughs) Excuse me? I did love the lesbian drop-in center that had a but I'm a cheerleader poster. Oh my God. Yes. 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 There was so much nostalgia watching this and that's one of the reasons like I had to like look up like when this was made. It's like 1999, 2000. I was like, oh my God. The nostalgia, the scenes, like you said, the posters in the lesbian drop-in center, the t-shirts everyone's wearing, like, you're Mm -hmm. like, it's like, the clothing was so awkward. You're like, yeah, when Jesus is like doing his like little montage, changing his clothes scene, I'm like, nothing you're choosing is working. (laughs) Even when he lands on, doesn't work. It's like, oh, go back in, do another (laughs) three rounds. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's just like, for me, I was like, oh, that nostalgia vibe, seeing like Canadian Mm. dollars. I was like, oh my goodness, he's taking me back. It's yeah. a fun one, yeah. yeah and I was kind of, I was kind of living for Mary's um, full vinyl outfit, oh, yeah. hat suit. Though mm-hmm. it could have been more form fitting. Um, yeah. Mary was like into that. I was like, I, I don't know why she's wearing this, but she's like a cool bisexual vampire hunter person, <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm here for this. Yeah, here for it. <laughs> though it always drives me crazy in action. Well, this isn't exactly true, but in action sequences when there's like one character that they introduce early on is like this expert fighter and they're super yeah. fucking good and like she takes out Jesus Christ and he's the vampire hunter <laughs> and like two scenes later she's getting her ass handed to her and I'm yeah. like oh yeah yeah she like doesn't just gets like barely one hit in I'm like oh man like I wanted more for you Mary 
I wanted more for you. Yeah, I agree. I feel like this movie out of all of these movies, Jesus Christ Vampire Hunter is meant to be watched in a crowd or with other yeah. people. Yeah. Me just sitting there at 9 a.m. drinking my coffee and was like, this is not the vibe perhaps <laughs> that I should be going for. I think it deserves a rewatch with a group of people so we can all just like revel in the absolute chaos that is Jesus Christ Vampire Hunter because holy moly, what a world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally. It's, uh, yeah, like you said, whirlwind of the film. And like Kelly said, kitchen sink of a film. Yeah, it's just everything, which you can love about it and also not like about it. <laughs> everything you could love and hate about a movie, it includes it. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. I was talking, I remember I was talking to a, a director, a filmmaker, while I was doing an interview, and I forget who it was, but I was asking them, like, what advice they would kind of give to someone that wants to get into filmmaking and actually this kind of reminded me of this movie as you're saying your first impulse is going to be like I'm going to have one chance to make a movie I'm going to put everything I love into it yeah and that's what this felt like it's like I have one chance I'm going to make this like a ridiculous vampire movie we're going to do kung fu scenes we're going to do dance sequence we're going to do this 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 Mexican wrestler why not like that's kind of what it felt like is one guy being like this is my one shot I can't miss my chance to blow this opportunity comes once in a lifetime and then he just went into it (laughs) yeah which kind of worked because it's like it's a cult film internationally like people love it so he's been able to make more movies from it but it's uh yeah yeah I mean it was risky but sometimes you got to take those risks and it's either going to work for you and it's not going to or in this case it worked for them so you know what kudos kudos to them yeah okay well let's move on on to the final film we're going to talk about, which is the other Kelly's film, Inhuman Witch. Mission Control, Argo 1. Mission Control to Argo 1. How you doing up there, Joe? The launch was pretty wild. Nothing quite like riding a 10-ton Roman candle to the top of the sky. We certainly aren't expecting any frightening catastrophes anytime soon, right, Doc? The waste from the core, it's starting to spill over. What do you make of this? The levels of radiation and other toxins inside the Argo One are astronomical. quite fun and I sure did learn a lot too.
Yes. So it made for like a hiccup over two grand. It was like $2,030, <laughs> which I think is hilarious. It came out in 2016, but it was in production since 2011. It was a debut film by David Cornelius, who's apparently a former film critic. This movie was one that I watched again for the list that I did. And it was the first one that jumped to mind when I thought of when we came up with this co- this topic of doing micro budget horror well that's not true the first one I thought it was with loss of pastor but it was like I feel like people know that mm-hmm. one enough this Fair. is one that I feel like nobody knows because like seriously what is this movie um Fair. so that's why I wanted to pick this one when I first saw it I remember kind of like not really being a hundred percent sold on it but then there's the scene where the, the the boss basically is talking to the wife over the phone and she's like what you say Joe's talking and like just basically has that whole scene where she's repeating everything he says yeah, yeah. that I was like okay you got me I'm sold yeah. all right this is great sold every bit of her line delivery is so fucking funny to me like the scene where she's talking about like and you wouldn't sell me to, t- to Tom Hanks for $20 or something like that like there's some big Tom Hanks monologue about how yeah, he wouldn't yeah. give her away to his wife. Like, oh my God. I love it. She's so funny. As the wife is an astronaut, I deserve to be involved somehow. And after all, if he dies, I'm obligated to serve the rest of his term. Like stuff <laughs> like that. It's like, wait, what? Yeah. Or they like, the scene, like the old, she's like, oh, that poor dog. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. What about all the people? This movie uses the rule of three really well. It just sort of has those comedic moments back and forth. I saw an entry about it on awful movies wiki and it was talking about like how terrible and awful and not funny it is and i was like sir you do not understand comedy wow. because this movie is a treasure oh, wow no. yes like the makeout point scene with like the kids that look like they're like 12 wow. <laughs> oh my god even 10 years old that I mean, is like, my they're not legal driving age <laughs> like not legal driving age what are you doing here oh my god and like the visual effects are terrible but it's wonderful like they're still far better than I could muster. Let's be totally honest here. Mm-hmm. If you stuck me in front of a computer and said, make a sentient meat blob killing machine, I'd be like, no. So <laughs> I, I was still really impressed with this movie. Like every moment has a joke. There's either a visual gag or something in the line delivery or the dialogue or the props even. Like every moment is a punchline. And I kind of really love that about this movie. I'm going to jump in and say, thank you so much for introducing me to In Huan Witch because I <laughs> loved it. Everything you just said, but it, the people making this movie and acting in this movie knew exactly what this movie yeah. was supposed to be. And mm-hmm. they understood the assignments. Yeah, they really yeah. did. Like everybody. Yeah. The <laughs> wife is incredible, just like everything. But I also didn't realize this is part of the charm for this movie for me, especially because Jess and I literally just did 1950s horror. Yeah. But the fact that it's based off and like aesthetic wise, and mm-hmm. there's not like this whole kind of like premise, like it was a 1950s sci-fi horror movie. Yeah. Yes. I had no idea that's what it was going to be. So that was such a pleasant surprise for me because yeah. I love those types of movies and having this like absolutely hilarious absurd micro-budget movie kind of do that fairly well or as good as they possibly could to make it feel that kind of like 1950s sci-fi horror vibe with like the big you know mutated monster which is absurd (laughs) and coming in and though that sometimes that cgi looked awful (laughs) i don't care it was just so fun i there is something again like this whole movie is like quotable i wrote down one from lisa and when they're talking about how her husband turned into this big meat eating meat man witch (laughs) um thing she's like 
how do you know all of this? And he's like, science. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I, yes. yes. Yeah. Every, uh, every character in this movie is like stereotypical. Like even like the army guy is like, I guess, uh, straight out of 1950s uh, B yes. movie. Loved, Loved it. Him. Yeah. Which I think is what made the CGI work in my opinion, because I never, like, I didn't mind that it looked bad. Like mm-hmm. yeah. it, if it looked good, I think it would have been way more boring, honestly, because I feel like it really <laughs> just encapsulated just a spoof of a 1950s sci-fi yeah. movie. Yeah. And I, I think that, that it really worked in this case with it being in black and white and how they, you know, the line delivery, like we've been talking about the whole yeah. situation. It was great. Um, and I love the scene where the kids are making out in the car and the, <laughs> the boy, you know, they, there's like a meteor that goes over and the girl's like, oh, that must be that one uh, astronaut that they were talking about on the news. And her boyfriend's like, okay, well, let's keep making out. And she's <laughs> like, don't you think we should go help those people? And he's like, uh, no. I think that we should keep making out. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? He was right. Yeah. He was yeah. Right. Exactly. yeah and that exactly. whole conversation is happening like one inch apart too. Like yeah. they're just yeah. like right about to kiss, yeah. having yeah. that whole conversation and not moving at all. It's so funny. <laughs> yeah. I actually watched this film the first time when I read your list, Kelly, because oh. I was like, ooh, this is one I haven't seen yet. And then I saw it was on Tubi, so I watched it. And yeah, I'm with Kelly on the other Kelly on this. No, Kelly, my co-host Kelly. Um, <laughs> on that, I love that this is a parody and like a spoof on 1950s, 60s, like space and sci-fi horror, like a creature feature of a man being transformed because of a horrible experiment done by Americans. <laughs> you know, it's supposed to be patriotic. You've got the typical like, army hates the space the scientists and they're fighting each other and the politicians are not really involved and then you got the citizens who are trying to help like it's everything like mm-hmm. it's like watching invasion of the body snatchers you know mm-hmm. but with a giant man witch which i love that it's so <laughs> charming and i love that it's that type of humor where it's like i don't know if it's tongue-in-cheek to explain it this way but it's like when someone's talking you're like nothing terrible will happen everything's good except for that and that yeah and that and you're like yeah. and I'm just dying throughout the entire film because I love that type of humor where just like I'm a scientist like I'm not a rocket scientist but let me explain to you what's gonna happen yeah um, my two like the scientists were my favorite throughout the film yeah Dr. Chang who was like this tall white bald man and <laughs> and and Floyd, who ends up being the doctor who has who has his legs eaten off, but he still has oh my spe- God. But he still skeleton has bones. Yeah. Oh my God, the skeleton legs. And they show up with his skeleton legs, and like, at least they kept her femurs. And then when like at the end, when he jumps into the manwich, he's like, he can't eat my legs twice. And he's like, I didn't think this through. Yeah. But it's like my favorite type of humor in this movie. And this is what this yeah. movie brings each time. It's just that I kind of like, it's just making fun it knows what it is and it's just making fun of it but it's also trying to be serious at the same time too Mm -hmm. yeah I agree the only time I peter out in this film a little bit is when it gets to when we get Bert coming to eat the manwich yeah like because like everything so much has happened and they're like okay I'm starting to peter out and they're like okay now it's time for this like you know uh food competition science that's gonna happen now to eat this manwich and yeah right no that's fair because I'm just like oh the onion allergy and, then yeah. the, uh, <laughs> onions and like having like pieces it's it I, I understand that it's kind of like this weird thing that starts happening but I felt like the pacing was like lightning yeah. quick joke yeah. after joke after joke it deserves mm-hmm. many watches to find every single joke the physical comedy is there there'll be something happening that like is not even necessarily a 
an, an important part of the scene, but you'll be laughing like the one of the scientists. Okay, so side note, if you're a NASA type thing, you're like a <laughs> space engineer, whatever those people are that run the control rooms. You're also apparently a forensic investigator. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and dishes and microscopes. I don't and like I, licking skulls. To like <laughs> licking stuff. <laughs> but he's like, you know, having some of Lisa's famous sloppy Joes. And then there's like a piece of, I think the manwich in a container and he's like mixing it up and starts eating it. But like, that's not even necessarily part of the scene. It's like, they're talking to each other. So mm-hmm. I just thought this movie was so incredibly clever and well done with, with the humor, which I, for me is sometimes like, it's hard. I feel like that's mm-hmm. hard to do. And especially to make me laugh throughout your entire fucking movie was like, kudos <laughs> and for only two thousand dollars like, yeah that's crazy yes. 2030 yeah. i'm like this. what was the 30 <laughs> like where did the 30 come in <laughs> it was the main was, witches yeah that was just the, <laughs> that's just the onion <laughs> yeah. oh my god like like i said the one table, pound bag of onion that like yeah. uh yeah. picnic table that just has like a bunch of onions on it you're like who comes to a picnic and just leaves a plate of onions <laughs> on the table like it's just like scenes like that they're just yeah. so random and you're just that's hilarious to me yeah, and there's a scene where I don't even remember what dialogue is happening, but in the background, like one of the soldiers is hitting on the wife. <laughs> and she's just like nope. spurning his advances and then like kicks him with the crotch and walks away. And like, again, like, you know that they're having like this important to the plot, but pretty dro- like dull conversation. And they peppered up in the background by giving you something still fun that's going on by still having that physical comedy. And they're like, we know we have to do this plot. We know it's going to be really boring if we don't have something else going on. So we're going to have something else fun that's yeah. going on in the background yeah. to kind of keep the momentum going and to keep the jokes coming yeah and I I just think it's very again like so clever and how it it's structured um and how every scene is sort of put together to find those moments of comedy that they can just tuck right in there to, to kind of keep mm-hmm. every keep the pacing going yeah yeah I agree so, I'm so again, glad you guys liked it thank you so much for introducing <laughs> yes, this to me you. good lord and so yeah. much fun with it yeah. <laughs> oh you're so welcome I'm so happy about that <laughs> Well, your guest on our podcast, which makes you honorary spinsters today. So again, thank you for being here. We're going to move into spinsters final thoughts, which you will be included in. Nice. And now we've arrived at spinsters final thoughts, this time over a nice warm cup of tea provided by our sponsor, Brutalities. Since we're spinsters, we obviously love tea. One of our favorite things is to curl up with a movie on a cold, rainy day. Or with a good book. Absolutely. With a mug of delicious hot tea. Brutalities is a company that we discovered at a horror convention and fell in love with. They have a variety of tea blends from black, white, and more, but what stood out to us was not just how yummy they were, but their spooky and metal-inspired names. With Screamsicle and Children of the Candy Corn, we thought Brutalities were a perfect match made in... I am obsessed with tiramisu. And I'm currently obsessed with Banana Bell. So go to Brutalities.com to grab some for yourself with listener code SPINSTER15 to get 15% off your purchase. For our Canadian fans, please contact them directly before ordering for shipping quotes. So now that we have our tea, let's put these spirits to rest. So there's four of us. I'm not going to do a big, long, deep, intense final (laughs) thoughts like I normally do. But this is a fun episode. We had so much fun. A lot of these movies are just a a riot to watch. I love micro budget, low budget and indie films. I really think that's where the passion lies for horror filmmaking. It can be serious. It can be fun or silly, but it's never without merit. 
I look forward to exploring more and more and more films, um, either in the horror comedy realm, spooky, scary realm, or the disturbing and extreme realm, the realm I totally forgot about (laughs) (laughs) for some reason. So all of us are going to take turns during our final thoughts to give you three recommendations of micro-budget horror films and where you can find them. And so this was hard for me to narrow this down because I've watched a lot and so much of them I've had so much fun with. But number one, Jaws of the Shark. Budget question mark. Couldn't find it. It is a Swedish film about a man shark. It's a shark with man legs. You just got to watch it to understand what I'm talking about. It is amazing and ridiculous. It's on Tubi TV. I'm going to throw out there an extreme disturbing recommendation. It's called Violent Shit. It was made on $2,000 of US dollars. This is hard to find. I am sorry. It might actually be on f.movies.com, but it is uh, an incredible SOV, like shot on video, like splatter film. That was a really, really fun watch with some like satanic elements of it. I bought the entire collection of these movies from Synapse Video. So just go buy the movies, just buy it. My third and final recommendation is called Spanish Chainsaw Massacre, which was made on 3,000 US dollars. It is found on Tubi TV. If you like (laughs) dick, fart, and poop jokes, and a lot of gory mess, watch Spanish Chainsaw Massacre. That's hilarious. I will not watch that. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I'm, I'm glad like, that no. <laughs> I'm glad that you're on the effed up movies train, Kelly, because mm-hmm. not many people know about that site. It's amazing. It is. Shout out to them. Yeah. <laughs> so for me, with when it comes to micro budget, I as people have known and heard my origin horror story, I started out with B horror movies, and because they weren't very scary, and I could get into stories and stuff like that. But then over time, I like to laugh. I guess I just realized like I like to laugh with a lot of my horror movies. I like things that have horror comedies to it. And sometimes when I watch micro budget horror, that's what I'm looking for. I'm just looking for a good time. I'm looking for people to have a good time when I'm watching these films with me and having those good laughs. But then as I'm realizing that micro budget encompasses more than just funny horror comedies or funny sci-fi movies that people make fun of on like Mystery Science Theater 3000 is actually some really good independent films that are out there and you get to explore all these different types of films that are coming out not just like here in Canada and the U.S. but internationally so I feel like a lot of um, micro-budget horror films come out from a lot of international scenes as well and we don't get a lot of attention so when it comes to like my honorable mentions for films, I don't have any of the price of any of the budgets right now, but I would recommend for like, if you want like micro horror comedy, I would check out Killer Sofa. It is what it is. It is about a sofa <laughs> that kills people. It is demonically possessed and Satanism. Go watch that. It's hilarious. You want inanimate furniture that kills you. Another one that I really enjoy is also it's Killer Sofas on uh, Prime. I believe it's also on Tubi TV. Uh, Killer Rack is another one that I watched on Tubi TV. I watched this one a while ago. This one, definitely micro budget, definitely tongue in cheek humor, um, but it is very much uh, has that cosmic horror element to it because it plays with Eldridge and it plays with Cthulhu mythos and stuff like that. So that's really fun. And then I'm going to throw this one out there because in the end, while it was a bit of a, a trudge of a movie to get through, I actually really enjoyed it. And Kelly and I watched it recently. It's uh, Vidar the Vampire, which is a Norwegian film about a vampire. Yes. Uh, a man who just turned into a vampire who is like Christian from a Norwegian farm. And it's this really interesting story. It's got so much 
heart to it, but it has some really absurd scenes. So those will be my uh, three honorable mentions. I have not seen any of those, but uh, I, I love like the movies that are like based on furniture going past. <laughs> Killer Pinata, that's on Tubi. Check that <laughs> yeah. out. I haven't seen it yet, but. Bed of the Dead. There we go. There's yeah. Yeah, Black Fawn. Yeah. 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 Evil Bong. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> But I, I really love how in this episode, we kind of all talked about movies that are really different, in my opinion. Like, they all have kind of different things going. Like, Kelly from this podcast, uh, hers is kind of like a typical slasher movie. Uh, my Kelly is like a 50s uh, throwback. Jess, musical vampire, kung fu movie. Mine is very different from all of those. Uh, it's artistic and, like, mysterious. But they're all, like, very little money. And they're all... I also like that we chose like different ranges of how much they cost mm-hmm. too, which I think is really cool. And that just kind of goes to show how much you can make with just a little bit. And those budgets are really reasonable, honestly. Mm-hmm. So if anything, it's very inspiring for any filmmakers who want to get into film who think like, oh, well, I can't make anything because I can't get, you know, a lot of money for this movie that I want to make, like, because all I watch are movies that are in theaters that are millions of dollars. It's not really that hard to get, you know, you know, $20,000 to make a film, especially if you have like a good team behind you, or even if you have zero dollars, you can still make amazing things um, in horror, especially. And I really love how nowadays that like cameras are less expensive or we have cameras in our pockets all the times on our mm-hmm. phones that are at powerful enough to make films. A lot more people are making like these really low budget films and they actually have like good plots because there are so many people out there who now have chances to make creative things. And something I forgot to mention, I really love found footage horror movies mm-hmm. and they're perfect for ultra low budget Mm -hmm. uh, things because they fit in so well. And if anything, it's better if it's low budget, Uh, the lower the budget, the better. Yeah. Yeah. So authentic. Yeah. 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 So the three movies that I wanted to recommend, firstly, one of my ultimate faves, which honestly, if I had known that it costs so little, I would have made it my recommendation for this movie or this uh, podcast, Mm -hmm. but I didn't realize that it costs so little money. Uh, Turbo Kid, which Mm -hmm. is a Canadian movie, It was only $60,000, which I could not believe that they did so much with $60,000. Anyway, if you have not seen this movie, seek it out. It's amazing, especially Mm -hmm. if you're into uh, practical effects that you really can't get any better, honestly. It's a great superhero alternative movie as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And you can also find it on Tubi, Vudu, Peacock, and prime video in Canada. Another movie that I only watched like literally three days ago, but I'm so happy that I did is she's allergic to cats. This movie is so amazing. It's like kind of similar to the movies that you guys were picking, which are more funny, but still like very mysterious and weird. And it's got that VHS aesthetic that I absolutely adore. That one is available on Shudder and American Tubi. And that was made for $50,000. And my last recommendation is Be My Cat, a film for Anne, which is a found footage horror movie that was directed in Romania. And it's this very disturbing, but at the same time, funny kind of serial killer type of thing going on that's very meta and does a lot with very little money, which according to the internet, this only costs $10,000, but it, looking at it, it seems like it costs very little, <laughs> less than $10,000. But yeah, those are my recommendations. For my 
recommendations for micro budget, I would suggest the Lord of the Rings trilogy. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> so the, first one, the first one I would suggest, I, I've mentioned it before because um, I think it's an amazing, incredible, hysterical movie is the Velocipaster, which would go as a great double feature with Jesus Christ Vampire Hunter, just going to say. <laughs> that was made for about $35,000. I think that one is available on Tubi that you can watch it there. Yes. Um, but it's basically, it's incredible. It's a, a, a priest that gets uh, scratched by a dinosaur claw and then he can turn into a were dinosaur essentially and, and fight crime and it's amazing. <laughs> and uh, what is not to love about that? There's there's like a whole sequence in the middle that just looks like this ridiculous like music video love scene that's so highly produced. And then you have like a, a car blowing up and there's just like a spot that says like VFX car explodes. Like it's, <laughs> it's so great. It just kind of plays with things a, real, a lot. Also the music's really fun. My second pick is one that I, again sort of a, a 1950s sci-fi spoof called Lake Michigan Monster which is made for $7,000 I love this film it's available on Tubi as well and also Prime Video it's so stylized it's all again in black and white but it's hyper stylized the lead in this movie is also I believe the believe the writer but the director for sure um, and he's so compelling and like he's just so bombastic and, and, and engaging and the script is like whip smart really funny again just has those lines that just punch through that you just like catch them after the fact and realize how funny it was highly recommend Lake Michigan monster it's also again just it looks so cool and it was all like in camera tricks which is really neat and then my last one I don't know what the budget is but I'm guessing it was like $250 it's called don't let the river beast to get you it is so wholesome it's like if Norman Rockwell made a horror movie like it's it's written like it's 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 written like it's written by a, a, an English teacher in the 1950s there's like insults like you cretin and ne'er-do-wellers and like all this stuff it's so wholesome I love it so much it's available on Plex um, but again it's just one of those where it's just a, a guy that just got a bunch of his friends together and he actually has an insane number of songs on YouTube. There's like hundreds of songs he's written on YouTube and he oh. has done a bunch of other films as well. Um, his name is Matt Farley. Uh, he plays the... <laughs> the world's most what is it it's like the world's best tutor or something like that like he's, a, he's like literally just a tutor and they keep referring to him as like the world's best tutor or the best tutor in town or something to that effect like, and it's there's like bits of dialogue that talk about like the usefulness of kitty litter and how difficult it is to share butternut squash but it's delivered with this like such deadpan delivery that you're like okay like this is great this it's so funny i love it it's so much it's so 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 funny i cannot recommend it enough if you really enjoyed inhuman which definitely put um Lake Michigan Monster and uh, and um, Don't Let the River Beast Get You on your list because you will really enjoy them. It's a very similar type of humor and uh, aesthetic. Thank you. Excellent. Thank You're you welcome. guys so much. <laughs> and that ends our anniversary episode on micro budget horror. And we want to thank you guys, Kelly and Brianna, so much for joining us thank today. Thank you. Uh, you guys can find Kelly and Brianna on the Murmurs for the More podcast. And what is your social media so people can <clears throat> quickly find you guys? So we are on uh, Twitter. Facebook, Instagram, and Letterboxd at Murmurs from the Morgue, except on Twitter, we are Morgue Murmurs. Because it was weird and it wouldn't let us do that one because it was too long. Too long. <laughs> too long. <laughs> That's excellent. Also, you guys can find them also on any podcasting app that you follow them on, on Spotify, yes. iTunes, mm-hmm. Apple. All of the places. All the places. And <laughs> et cetera. Et cetera, et cetera. But again, thank you guys so much for joining us for this uh, wonderfully fun episode uh celebrating our four years and 
again, we want to thank Dance with the Dead for our intro and outro music, Robies, and also to all of you listeners. We wouldn't have made it for four, four years if it wasn't for you guys. And we were thank remind- you. Yes, thank you. <laughs> and remind us to we want to remind you to follow us on our website at spinstersofhorror.com as well as our social media, uh, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Just search for Spinsters of Horror. And we also have a Facebook group called the Spinsters of Horror Coven. We have a Letterboxd account. Just look for Spinsters of Horror or Horror Spinsters. We have a YouTube channel, so you can find special presentations and video recordings of our minisodes on there. So follow us. Just search for Spinsters of Horror. As well, please rate and review us on all podcasting apps, especially stuff like iTunes, so we can get this podcast out to more people. This is our anniversary wish please like and share and subscribe. We have yes. merch. Please visit Tee Public to purchase our t-shirts from the shop and donate if you would like to donate to the Spencer's Cause. Next month, it's another listener's choice, but this time we've expanded it. You wanted audition? Well, you're going to get that and Ichi the fucking killer. We're delving into the wild and wacky world of Takashi Miike. And folks, man, we are excited. But until then, please remember. The future of fear is female. <laughs>